Hey there, classmates. Thanks for downloading Middle Class Film Class. You are listening to one of our early episodes, which means the audio quality was not good, plus we had no drops or phone calls. After episode 17, Idiocracy, we upgraded equipment and began playing the intro, music, and a trailer live like a radio show. If the sound quality or pacing of the show is jarring, just skip to a later episode. It gets better. Thank you for listening. Enjoy the show. Welcome to Middle Class Film Class Podcast. I'm Pete, and along with me, as always, is Tyler and Joseph. Hey. Hello. Uh, This week, the Wheel of Destiny landed on my pick, 310 to Yuma. You just remember that your old man walked Ben Wade to that station when nobody else would. They had a lot of weapons, mister, and they were shooting bullets. So before we get to the deep dive into 310 to Yuma, uh, let's get some streaming picks from all three of us, um, whether it's on Netflix, Amazon, Hulu, a couple of good picks that you can watch at home. Joseph, you got a streaming pick for us? Yeah, I got a couple actually. Um, so this one is on Netflix. If you are a natural disaster movie fan. Um, you know how I love Dante's Peak. And, uh, that's so funny you say that. <laughs> My pick is actually Dante's Peak. Oh, oh wow. that's actually on Netflix. <laughs> I didn't even know. Yeah, it is. I wa- we watched it a couple days ago, and I was like, "Holy shit, it's actually on here." We were talked about that last week when we uh, reviewed, yeah, it was like um, it was it was briefly mentioned um, yeah, when we did the following. Yeah, um, as one of those parody movies to the Volcano. Uh, is it is it is it good? Don't I, I mean, I've I, don't, yeah, I've seen it before. I, it was like one of my favorites as a kid actually as far as disaster movies go is that the pierce brosnan one yeah pierce brosnan linda hamilton linda hamilton yeah um (laughs) linda hamilton plays the mayor of uh the town mayor wando is her name wando wando is her last name (laughs) rachel (laughs) wando wando's got what plants need yeah (laughs) (laughs) um yeah this movie is like really entertaining i think i feel like watching it i was like this is like the jurassic park of disaster movies oh for sure it was it's just like entertaining from beginning to end um it's just like a like a roller coaster like i feel like i'm at universal studios while i'm watching it you know and um volcano i don't know which one came out first but they both came out around the same time yeah, they they did. I think I think it wasn't Tommy Lee Jones in Volcano. Yeah, that's like about volcanoes okay. in L.A. or something. Like, yeah, yeah, I I know exactly what you're talking about. And I, f- I feel like Dante Speak is the superior of the two. And um, yeah, I think it's just like a really like solid movie from beginning to end. And some of the writing is a little cringe, but it, that's like '90s writing for you. Yeah, 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 the Dante Peak in Volcano. I think it was just perfect disaster movie. It was the perfect time and place for a disaster movie involving volcanoes. All right, so Dante's Peak, February 7th, 1997, release date. Volcano, April 25th, 1997. Oh, shit. It was yes. really like two, two, 
Yeah, two like a month and a half afterwards. Wow. And um, Dante's Peak uh, box office 178 million, while Volcano 122 million. Ooh. So f- definitely the superior Volcano disaster movie of 1997. Yeah, been said many times. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I I always I like will come back to this movie more than I will Volcano. Yeah, for sure. Get the hell out of here with that bullshit, and, Volcano. And Pierce Brosnan, I think, is, is kind of what draws me into just his eyes and his hair. He's <laughs> had some classic good looks. Ron Tomatoes score for Dante's Peak, though, 24%. Yikes. Volcano, 50%. What? Is that, is that user score or critic score? Um, I don't know. Let's see. Um, usually they'll, they'll do the, um, the tomato meter is kind of the generally accepted one. That's the one that will be report on any summary page you see. Yeah. Um, audience score for Dante's Peak thirty eight percent. Volcano audience score is thirty one percent. Both kind of <laughs> about the same. So well, Dante's Peak is I don't know Can, a little underrated. That, <laughs> I don't know. That, that's kind of a harsh criticism. If yeah. you're out to make a disaster movie and you make Dante's Peak, I feel like you, that's a slam dunk. The best disaster movie? I mean, I don't know if Dante's Peak is the best disaster movie, but no, I mean, you just went, you set out to make a disaster movie, and the end result is Dante's Peak with Pierce Brosnan. I feel like that's a win. Yeah, and For it's sure. like you know, it's good. It's very like anxiety-inducing. A lot of it kind of turns into a horror movie almost, like when the ash <laughs> covers the sky and there's like lightning striking, and it's the volcano, the magma has turned into the lake into acid. What's uh, what's your uh, what's your other streaming pick? You said you have more than one. So yeah, Dante's Peak was my first one, and then uh, my other one um, I just watched last night actually on HBO Now. Um, if you have HBO Now, is uh, Legend, Tom Hardy uh, movie from 2015. Not the Tom Cruise movie. Not Legend. No, that's Brad Pitt. Legends of the Fall. Well, isn't isn't there a Tom Cruise like old school Tom Cruise movie that's kind of like the Dark Crystal called Legend? Maybe I don't know. Tyler, do you know? I, I, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm like, I was like raking my brain through a Tom Cruise Dark Crystal movie, and I was like, uh. <laughs> maybe, maybe I'm, maybe I, I'm just someone Google Tom Cruise and but... Dark Crystal. <laughs> um, so go ahead. So yeah, Legend is a movie that came out in 2015 with Tom Hardy playing uh, two characters, uh, both like twin brothers. Um, it's kind of like a almost like a Guy Ritchie esque okay. kind of movie, but it doesn't have quite it doesn't have quite the writing for it. So Tom Hardy is playing his own brother. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, yeah. He plays wow. his, he plays his twin brother. Um, who so they're they're the Cray brothers, like a London mafia <laughs> kind of stuff from the '60s. Yeah, um, it's a yeah. historical biopic um, about these guys and. So there's Ronnie and Reggie Cray, and um, it's pretty uh, pretty good. I, I actually enjoyed it. It was a little long, kind of dragged a little bit, but overall, I is think... Is it like an action movie, like a melodrama? No, it's not really an action movie. It's more of like uh, closer to a movie like like Goodfellas or something. Oh, uh, okay. So it's just yeah. like... It, it's a mob tension, movie. There's tension. M- mob drama. Tension, yeah. without, tension without action, sort of. Yeah, it, but it has a little bit more comedy than, say, oh. a, say a good. How, how does it compare to uh, Nicolas Cage playing uh, brothers in um, adaptation? <laughs> I can't I <laughs> can't speak on that. Um, that was that was pretty good. I like that. I like it when two 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 actors or the actor plays two parts in the same movie. It's always kind of fun. Yeah, like Eddie Murphy. 
don't know about that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I got to say, I think I think that Tom Hardy does have the capability of doing that. Playing, yeah, it's with it's himself. Absolutely. Playing Tom with Hardy himself. can play every role for I care. Literally. <laughs> yeah, get lost in those lips. lips so yeah his brother the so legend ronnie and reggie cray ronnie is actually a homosexual um with himself and no (laughs) um and like so they they so reggie cray just is like tom hardy just with slick back hair and then ronnie cray has like these sort of this makeup on his face that it hmm. makes his lips look bigger, and he has like really tiny bottom teeth. Sounds like an so interesting they're like twins. Movie. So they're like, like they're, they're brothers, but not twins. They're twins. They're twin brothers, but they just look slightly different. So he, and one wears glasses. I'm into it. Taron Edgerton plays Ronnie's like lover or fuck buddy. <laughs> um, FWB. Yeah, it's uh, it's good, good mob movie, funny. Okay. I, uh, I, cool. I like I I'll check it I'll check I'll check it out. Yeah, I like yeah. a good mob movie. Yeah, Legend. That one. Legend on HBO now. By the way, uh 1985 Legend uh Tom Cruise directed by Ridley Scott, Mia Sara, Tim Curry. It is like a Dark Crystal kind of a knockoff. <laughs> like when I look at the poster it, it looks familiar. It's like a devil with like comically oversized horns. I got to see that. I got to see that. Uh Tyler, what's your streaming pick for this week? Okay, so it's going to be a little bit different than Tom Hardy playing with himself. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> playing with himself. <laughs> I almost spit um, out my sangria. <laughs> so <laughs> so uh, what I uh, am suggesting, this is on Netflix. It's uh, the series Neon Genesis Evangelion. It is a Japanese anime made in 1995 to 96. Uh, it was directed by Hideaki Anno and was written by the same the, the director writ, wrote Evangelion and uh, Hideaki Anno. Yeah, it, uh, it had a moderate budget for a Japanese anime film, but so I have this. So I have two choices as well that relates to this so uh neon genesis evangelion obviously has a movie called the end of evangelion that's also on netflix and the reason why i'm suggesting it is because i don't know how long netflix is gonna have this show because it's like a really iconic show in the japanese anime scene and so reason why i recommend it though is it's has an incredibly I would say it's realistic towards how the plot goes on the real world. So what happens in this show is that there is these things called angels, which are, you know, supernatural creatures or like this, just these huge behemoths of monsters wrecking havoc on the human race in the modern time we're living now. So it's kind of like, 20 like it's like in the 2020s you know like it's kind of like this was the it's it kind of reminds me of like the in how the matrix like figured how the future would be it's essentially like that so it's set in the future which is our present time now and so the there's a a nato like government entity that is 
making these uh, mech robots to fight these things. Um, reason why it's really good is because it's really well written and really well animated. You know, like it really immerses you. And so I was, when Netflix first announced that Neon Genesis Evangelion was coming coming to their streaming service i was ecstatic because it's not on crunchyroll which is on the other anime streaming service and it's not it's nowhere else the last time i watched this show was on a vhs tape wow is does the animation style hold up from 1995 oh yeah you know it it, it, it's in the 90s they really were all about the background scenes of this kind of uh like like a painted background with the animated foreground that sort of thing if, like a hadaki i don't i don't know if you guys are familiar with uh studio ghibli yeah yeah so, so i was kind of getting so it. so okay so the uh the guy that made studio yeah the guy who made studio ghibli he was like a i don't know what you would call it just like a he he was basically designing like you know aircraft and stuff like that, so he was really detailed. That's kind of how this show is. Is just like it's really detailed in the in the foreground and stuff like that, which gets you really engaged. And plus, it's it, it's dealing with some heavy. T- Anyways, <laughs> <laughs> by the way, Tyler, uh, uh, Rotten Tomato score on Neon Genesis Evangelion. 100% on the tomato meter, 90% audience score. That's pretty damn good. Yeah, it, it it's wow. really it's really engaging, which brings me to my next point which may be very controversial to anyone who is a fan of <laughs> Evangelion is I am recommending the movie The End of Evangelion, which is also on Netflix, which I don't know how long it's going to be on there because this is such an iconic show and I feel like iconic shows are not like represented on streaming service services because it's so they're so expensive because they have to pay pay for them more or something yeah that's what i'm thinking they're so expensive and like they're it's i was released in 1997 it's a standalone movie like a footer almost to the series well yeah and it's just you know the thing i think about it is that it's it has a cult following, but I feel like it's not mainstream enough to for corporate entities to be like, oh, yeah, we're going to spend 30-something million dollars on the rights to stream this show and movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the end of Evangelion is very controversial because it kind of uh, makes the ending of this show, which the ending of this show null, essentially, Um it's a really well done movie though. I if you're a fan of giant robots and good writing and good animation, I would recommend Neon Genesis Evangelion and The End of Evangelion because they're both pinnacles of Japanese sci-fi animation. Mm-hmm. And uh I, I'm done uh I'm done being a complete <laughs> weeaboo. No, you're you're done waxing about your favorite anime on Netflix right well, now. Well, <laughs> I'm, I'm definitely a fan of Older school, older school, anime style animation. Um, I know I wa- I watched uh, Perfect Blue a couple months ago. And yeah, you we yeah we saw that. Oh, that was yeah, yeah that was interesting. Yeah, it was, uh, and I was like, man, this this like hand drawn style of anime is is like it's it's a little sloppier, but that's kind of like what I like about it. Part of its charm. Yeah. 
you can tell that it's actually like hand drawn in every scene which yeah. I actually I watched a documentary on animation and they've kind of gone away from that recently but in the older times the reason why like we're so no- we're so nostalgic for these kind of animation is because they literally hand drew every scene anyways my my recommendation is neon genesis evangelion and the end of evangelion and i know there's a lot of weeaboos out there who would disagree with me but the end of evangelion is a great movie uh so yeah (laughs) all right suck it (laughs) 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 and for the for the casual anime fan that's really only seen pokemon detective pikachu and um bits of Yu-Gi-Oh and one punch man and One Punch Man is it, are they gonna enjoy this? Uh, well, uh, it's a little little too deep for that. It's, it's in deep into the anime lore. It well, I wouldn't say. I here's what I would it's, say about it is that it deals with a lot of very weird human condition like situations. Mm-hmm. So it's it's very cerebral. Um, so if you're a fan of Pokemon, you might not be a fan of Neon Genesis, but if you're a fan of Gundam Wing. You might be. Oh, baby. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh. All right. Well, my streaming picks, I got uh, I got two as well. All right. Um, All right. First one is a streaming service, not Fubo. We'll talk about them <laughs> later. <laughs> really? I don't know. I don't know about Fubo. I got a lot to, I got a lot, of, lot to say about Fubo. Fubo. None, of it, none of it's very flattering. <laughs> but um, Pluto, Pluto TV uh, is a yeah. st- streaming service. I don't, uh, Joseph, you heard of that? I've heard of it. I have it on my playstation really and i know that they have a dedicated channel to mystery science theater dude what? yeah i just downloaded it this morning i heard about it over the uh last week and i thought oh, when i get home and i'm on a weekend i'll, I'll download it and see if it's worth the you know worth the damn um so i used to have playstation view was uh 30 bucks a month or 40 bucks a month or something and um full disclosure i don't have cable i haven't had cable since 2000 and three or 2004 uh, except for when i was like renting a room with some guys some of my friends preacher brother um yeah <laughs> yeah so i haven't, haven't really paid for cable in gosh 17 years or 14 years or something yeah and um i always missed the being able to flip through channels and just like find something random nonsense to put on yeah mm-hmm. so when i had playstation view all i had to do was watch impractical jokers and i i couldn't i couldn't give myself a justify $30 a month for that so I canceled it but this is free and it's got full TV sort of layout like TV guide scroll through the channels Whoa. see what's on in an hour it's pretty cool and then there's um, streaming like um, on demand sort of movies as well mm-hmm. um, I watched Rain Man on demand nice. they had um, Black Snake Moan on demand like some like semi-recent pretty good movies you know yeah, yeah. Uh, side note about Rain Man. I watched. I watched it this morning. Um, who do you think scored that movie? I, Hans Zimmer. Hans Zimmer I, scored Rain Man. <laughs> I, 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 I'm not surprised, but I'm also surprised at the same time. I can only name two composers. <laughs> I didn't want to say Hans Zimmer because I was just like, well, no, it's not Hans Zimmer. <laughs> if it's not Hans Zimmer, and we're, we're quoting we're quoting composers for movies, it's either him or Danny Elfman. Because um, I can't name any of the rest of them, <laughs> but Pluto TV I downloaded on PlayStation as well, the PlayStation Store. Um, pretty solid. I um, kind of scrolled through a little bit. We were watching Battle Royale dubbed over in English. Oh yeah, before, yeah. Good you one. know while we were like doing dishes, me and Bree were doing dishes today. Um, but um, 
pretty solid. A good free service. Can't go wrong with free. So, um, and then the actual streaming pick is called the Barkley Marathons, the race that eats its young on Hulu. Um, actually, I'm sorry, not Hulu, Amazon Prime. Oh. So if you if you if you have Amazon Prime, um, then you have Amazon Prime Video. If you haven't tapped into Amazon Prime Video, and you do have the Amazon Prime for like free shipping and whatnot, you're missing out on a ton of great content. Um, but this is a, a documentary uh, made in 2015. It's called the Barkley Marathons. B A R K L E Y. I don't know where the name comes from. I think it's the guy's last name that puts on the marathon. Okay, uh-huh. that was dog it, related. It is. What's that? I thought it was dog related. No, no. <laughs> That's it what is. I thought too. It's, so, so, have you guys ever heard of ultra marathoners? I have. Mm-hmm. I've never heard no. of it. No. So, ultra marathoners are like guys that will run like a marathon's twenty six miles, and it's brutal, right? Yeah. These guys run like 150, 200 mile marathons. Holy shit! For yeah. just for fun, and they're like, "Oh yeah, you know, how about a 400 mile marathon?" You know, they'll run ridiculous lengths um, that are just unfathomable to a normal person. But this this race it chews up and spits out ultra marathoners like every year. Oh yeah, I'm reading it right now. It looks like it's a like a hundred mile course. So it's it's a hundred miles. But it's done over the course of multiple days. So they'll do 100 miles in one direction. The next day, they'll do 100 miles in the other direction on the course. And then the next day, they do, I think they like do two cycles. They change directions halfway. Or the, the people who are remaining go in opposite directions. So they pass themselves at the 50-mile mark if they're even, you know, dead heat. But it's it's through the mountains of the Appalachia. Um, it's um, based off of a... Um, a famous prison escape. Oh. And so they, they run, they run through from this area to in the middle of the woods out in the middle of nowhere. They have a very crudely drawn map. Um, and the way that you, it's very like, um, um, very unique circumstances for the race. It's, um, not very polished. It's not very professional. When you, when you get to a checkpoint, there's a book nailed to a tree. <laughs> you have to pull, you have to pull out the page that it matches your number of your race number, your race bib. So if you're racer number 50, you got to go to page 50, rip it out, put it in, a, in your pocket and take it with you to the next point. When you get to the end, if you have all the pages from the checkpoints, you've completed the cycle. That's awesome. Um, yeah. Yeah. The, at one, one of the cycles is, you know, goes through the prison and you have to like kind of swim through the river, uh, mimicking the escaped attempt of the people that escaped from the prison 50 years ago or whatever. Yeah. So I'm just, I just was like reading yeah. about the history about this mm-hmm. thing on this Wikipedia page. Mm-hmm. The Berkeley course was designed by Gary Lazarus Lake Cantrell and his idea for the race was inspired about the, Escape this the escape of James Earl Ray, who was the assassin of Martin Luther King Jr. Oh wow, I forgot about that. It's been a while since I've seen this. I've seen it a few years ago when it first came out. Um, it is bananas. Yeah, that sounds that sounds <laughs> crazy, dude. Like a hundred miles in the Appalachia. Like, damn, you feel so bad for these people running, and it's 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 hilarious. Like the uh, the entry fee is like a pair of like a flannel shirt and a bag of dog food for the guy's dog. Awesome. <laughs> so this this isn't like an official like part of like an inter- international marathon. No, it's you, underground. You wouldn't dude. <laughs> it's underground. It's an underground, underground marathon. <laughs> it is no joke. So I I didn't know what to expect when I went into it. I was I heard about this through I can't remember where. Um watched it. 
it's uh, it's bananas. So totally worth a watch. Sit down with your significant other or a couple of friends, and it's a good one to like kind of like uh, poke fun at and commiserate with these people as they run this marathon. I'm into and, it. And I say marathon very loosely because, like I said, marathon's 23 miles. 26.2. Yeah, sorry, 26.2 miles. This is hundreds of miles over the course of a few days. And they every year, <laughs> there's a bunch of little fun facts about it, which makes the documentary very fun to watch. But um, one of the fun facts is they qualify the people who get led into the race. Every year they pick one person who is definitely not qualified, but feels they are very qualified. Mm-hmm. And they're like, he's like the sacrificial lamb. <laughs> and they kind of like, <laughs> they kind of watch him and take bets to see how far he can make it through the race. And uh, the year of the documentary, it was like some like retired Navy SEAL guy who ran the Boston Marathon five times and thought, you know, I could do this. It's no big deal. Oh and I don't, I don't think he made it half a day. Dude, that's so <laughs> awesome. I, I, I'm, I'm really in, I'm really into this. I think I'm going to check it out and I'm think I'm going to check out Pluto TV as well, because I, I, I'm in the same boat. Like I wish, so I wish there was a streaming service that just did random shows in. It's called six, Pluto TV. Yeah. i'm i'm into it i'm into it yeah it's got a little bit of live sports which is the other thing i really miss about um not having cable it didn't nothing that blew my socks off but it was like there's a dedicated episode or channel just for antiques roadshow it's a dedicated channel just for gordon ramsay tv shows like binge worthy stuff yeah it's pretty cool science theater yeah, Machine Science Theater. Um, I'm into it. Uh, there's an MTV channel that does actual music videos like MTV in its heyday. So oh, cool. pretty, inter- pretty, pretty interesting and VTG. can't be free. Yeah, I'm into it. I think I'll check that out. Shout out to new sponsors, Pluto TV. Thanks for the swag, guys. Appreciate it. <laughs> in the house. Fuck you, Fubo. Um, yeah, uh, Fubo. We'll talk later about that. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, you're on the list. Yeah. <laughs> um, you guys want to get into um, 310 to Yuma? Oh, yeah. Yeah. All right. Okay, cool. So, all right, 310 to Yuma from 2007, starring Russell Crowe, Christian Bale, and Logan Lerman, which is the uh, son of Christian Bale's character. He may also know Logan Lerman from the Percy Jackson series, uh, directed by James Mangold, who also directed Walk the Line, Logan, The Wolverine, and the new docu-pick Ford vs. Ferrari that's going to be coming out with um, Christian Bale as well. He did Logan? He did Logan. Holy yeah. shit! I dude, love Logan. I did. Jim too. Mangold. Yeah, James he's Mangold. A, he's a he's a, he's a heavyweight. He is a heavyweight. Yeah, he's got a, he's got a pretty good, interesting pedigree. There's a bunch of other movies on his uh, on his IMDb page, but those are the kind of the ones that I feel like our audience would uh, connect yeah. with. Yeah, for sure. Um, this was the first movie that I noticed uh, Ben Foster in character actor. Um, I haven't really seen him in any leading roles, but so good. He plays Charlie Prince. Um, for me, probably top ten characters in any movie um, that I've witnessed. I love his character, Charlie Prince, in this movie. Oh yeah, me too. Um, he's good. He's and good. also, yeah, great supporting cast of characters from Alan Tudyk, Luke Wilson, Peter Fonda, and Kevin Durand. Kevin Durand. Durand. Name sure. you. A lot of people may not know, but he uh, he played in Noah, the Wolverine origin series, The Blob. Uh, he was the yeah. asshole cop in Fruitvale Station. Um, Robin Hood, also with what Russell Crowe and Smoke and Aces, just a great character. Actor, oh, yeah, Smoke so. and Aces. Um, what were you guys' thoughts? You go, Joseph. No, you go. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
opening sequence of this movie was short but intense. Like it was, it was. I think it was a good um, kind of start to the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, you kind of get a feel for each of the characters, at least the Christian Bale's character and his son. Uh, yeah, you learn that Christian Bale is an amputee, and that his son is kind of brave, but kind of reckless at the same time. Mm-hmm. Like he he's he like want he like goes into the the burning barn or the stable to get to get whatever. I out. think it's the last feed. I think is what he yeah. says. Yeah. It's the last feed we have. He's very motivated yeah. to keep that family unit like strong mm-hmm. for sure. Yeah, and yeah. then and then one thing that stuck out to me right away when Christian Bale started talking, I was like, "Man, Christian Bale is the accent king." <laughs> Seriously, because like he's like he's Welsh. He's yeah. like his accent is thick. Wait, Christian Bale yeah. is re- Welsh? Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah he's Welsh. I yeah. didn't know that. I I I could not. I I would never have known that. I wow. Yeah, it's a beautiful casting choice. Um, I think the, the two of them, Christian Bale and Russell, Russell Crowe, neither mm-hmm. of Americans playing ultra typical prototype um, like uh, Western Americans. Yeah, one one Australian, one Welsh. I didn't even yeah. know Russell. I thought <laughs> Russell Crowe was American too. Oh my god! <laughs> Wake up, Tyler. <laughs> That's crazy. <laughs> we're living. We're living amongst uh, imposters. Yeah, but uh, overall, I think the movie was. I would put it in my like in my top five modern Western mm-hmm. movies, um, along with like the proposition and assassination of Jesse James by the coward, Robert Ford, not quite as, uh, action based that mm-hmm. movie as this one, um, Je- the Robert, Jesse James one. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. and two other Westerns. <laughs> and two, and two others that shall not be named. <laughs> but yeah, I would definitely put that up there. How about you, Tyler? What do you think? So, three ten to Yuma. I'm gonna. I'm. I'm just. I'm just gonna say it right now. This remake of three ten to Yuma was much better than the original one. Russell Crowe and Christian Bale freaking hit a home run with this movie. Like the, I loved three ten to Yuma. <laughs> Uh, it was engaging immediately. Like, right in the first scene, it was engaging. And I attribute this to the uh, director of photography and the uh, director as well. Like, the camera work mm-hmm. was really good just, like, right off the bat, which I think if you're going to re... So, I mean, Western movies are, like, held dear to, like, the old-school American they think that mm-hmm. it's like this like really like golden age of filmmaking like these spaghetti westerns yeah disagree completely um, <laughs> wow yeah. so brave uh, so uh you have the you have these home run hitters you have russell crowe and christian bale both i would argue so this Big mo- so this movie mm-hmm. came out in 2007 like that it was like almost at their peak you know like you have mm-hmm. russell yeah. crowe like he's had uh he was in the gladiator right gladiator yeah, i don't know what, Gladi- i don't know what year that was 2000 that came out before or after but like it was, it was way before well i guess the context is is that after that movie he became like a serious actor because it was a really good movie mm-hmm. uh 
anyways, 310 to Yuma was great. Uh, the shot, the, the, the sound design, the shots, everything made it feel like the Western that you imagine what a Western would feel like when you're watching yeah. it. Um, mm-hmm. and they, and they get, got that effect way better than the old, the original 310 to Yuma. And I think, so I think that the, did you watch the whole thing, Tyler, the whole original? Yeah. And it was, it was 1957 yep, based off a, of a novel by Leonard Elmore. It was, some, it was something, uh, I can't remember the guy's name. I know the actor's name was Ford. I don't really, re- I didn't really recall the actors in that movie, People that we, we probably wouldn't um, consider household names nowadays, but maybe if you were 30 years older, you would. Um, Glenn Ford and Van Helfen. Oh, that's what Van it was. Hef- it was Glenn Van Ford, Heflin, yeah. It, and, uh, anyways, 310 to Yuma. Really good movie, engaging right at the start. Um, the shot in the morning. So, I really like how at the beginning there's two there's two intro shots. I mean, there's, yes, there's the, yeah, that's exactly the, what I was going to say. Yeah, you're introducing Christian Bale and his family. You mm-hmm. get a really good synopsis of that, and then it's mash cut to the first stagecoach holdup, and you get everything you need to know about uh, Ben Wade and his posse right. from the beginning until he. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, I, I I think I don't know about you guys. We're four episodes in. I I don't I don't feel like it's an obligation since we're talking about. 12 year old movies to worry about spoilers <laughs> <Yeah>. so much <laughs> yeah but spoiler alert uh after he at the end of that scene when he kills his own um you know for for getting sloppy you yeah. really learn everything you need to know about him and more importantly in my opinion charlie prince i gotta mention uh, i gotta mention this so good i gotta mention yeah. this shot though after the they burn down the barn mm-hmm. the morning after it's a hard it's a hard cut but right like it shows like the whole ranch with the barn burnt down for just like I would say like three seconds, but mm-hmm. that three seconds was one of the most amazing cinematography I've seen in a. <laughs> I don't even recall that shot. It, it's 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 so it's so short, it's so short. Mm-hmm. But when you I I this is just something I just really Effective. noticed and. It was such an incredible shot, and that's what really got me engaged in the movie. It was like it was yeah. well, you got Christian Bale engaging with his son. Though that dialogue was really well done, and it's really exciting. I feel bad for I feel bad for Dan Evans throughout the whole thing. He feels like he's just a good guy trying to do the right thing. Yeah, he's in a bad spot. Yeah, I mean the whole time you kind of think. Man, just move out of this shithole. Why are you in Arizona? Yeah, that's what I said. I, I actually didn't find out they were in Arizona till the end of the movie. Oh yeah, Yuma, I, I didn't even Yuma, know. Arizona. Oh yeah, I guess that makes sense. Yeah, <laughs> um, but no, you, you feel bad for him, and the the whole time isn't isn't Yuma, Yuma in Arizona? I think so. I mean, like, sounds like an Arizona place. <laughs> sounds like someplace. I'm not terrible. familiar with geography. Well, I feel like the um, the whole. The whole time that every time his like oldest son William just gets a real tough dig at him, you just see him like suck it up and be like, "All right, yeah, all right, I guess, I yeah, guess the, I deserve that." The first one was uh, well, the first one that I caught was like when I think it's the morning after or the day after, and Christian Bale is like, "Well, someday when you walk in my shoes, you'll learn." And then she's like, "I'm never gonna walk in your shoes." Oh yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's uh, there's. A lot of good at my notes i took um i wrote down that there's this movie is chock full of great prototypical western 
one-liners. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I'm going to read off a few right now. Um, let's see. <laughs> the what, one, one of my favorite quotes, which I realize I've been quoting wrong for many years, <laughs> I quote to Joseph all the time, I said, uh, they had a lot of weapons, mister, and they were shooting bullets. <laughs> I, ex- I Charlie, wrote that down. Charlie Prince. <laughs> <laughs> I literally wrote that down. Oh, it's so funny. His character, you just see his like the craziness in his eyes, and he when he walks yeah. in right to the sheriff of um, Bisbee mm-hmm. and, uh, and tells him, "Yeah, the, the stagecoach got held up," and you're like, "This dude's insane." <laughs> Dude, Charlie Prince. Charlie Prince was the most realistic character in this film. The best, absolutely the best. You know, if you. Did you notice in, in the scene, uh, the the first stagecoach robbery, um, when um, Peter Fonda's character, Byron McElroy, mm-hmm. he's on the ground, shot, and he uh, he looks at him and he says, uh, you know, I'm Charlie Prince or whatever. And he goes, I heard of a, you know, coward named Charlie Princess. Yeah. And you, do you ever know, do you notice that that was a little bit of an illusion that maybe he's a little gay for Ben Wade? That's you get that like you get that little bit of homoerotic like he really likes his boss when when Charlie Prince when the first shot you see of Charlie Prince mm-hmm. when I saw it uh, I wrote down Ben Foster the Metro Cowboy <laughs> <laughs> wearing a skin tight white leather uh, a double breasted jacket yeah just and it like looks like he's wearing badass. it looks like he's wearing eyeliner a little bit um, oh really I didn't in, I didn't in that bit, in that yeah. fir- in that first shot at least I was like is he, is he wearing he wants I to be pretty know. for Ben, okay? Yeah. <laughs> Ben's going to be there, but I put my best eyeliner on. Yeah. <laughs> well, the the costume design, fantastic. Oh, yeah. I wrote down, oh, yeah. I wrote down gr- great hats, double underlined. Oh, it's so good. <laughs> best, the best <laughs> hats. It's the best hats. You can't be, yeah, you have to be a, a bad guy and wear a cool hat. Yeah, I'll say this about Westerns is that when it comes to the wardrobe, um, every time I watch... One, I'm like, man, those mm. co- those coats look warm. <laughs> yeah, I know they're, they're running around. It looks really hot outside, and they're wearing layers of leather. Yeah, like, well, I guess, I mean, near, I mean, you, there, you need you see snow at the end of the movie. Oh, really? And like, yeah. you see that you see breath, like their breath. Mm. And I'm like, is it cold out there? Well, it looks hot. Yeah, the desert, <laughs> the desert gets hella cold in the morning, and then it heats up, and then it cools down. Yeah, hmm. the uh, the the pants that Charlie Prince is wearing throughout most of the movie, like these like kind of burnt orange pants. Mm-hmm. I listen I listened to a um, an interview with Ben Foster about the making of this movie, and he said the second he walked into the wardrobe and saw the orange pants and white leather jacket he was gonna wear for the movie, he's like, I was transported back to being like five years old, wanting to be a cowboy because I used to have a pair of orange pants that looked just <laughs> like that, and I'd wear them. I'd wear them every time I was playing cowboys, and I thought, oh my god, I get to be a four-year-old playing cowboys and indians again this is great with a gun and murdering people hell yeah <laughs> yeah I, tell me where they're taking them mister i definitely burn i definitely want to comment on the score of this movie too because this definitely plays a really big part in the feel of watching this it's yeah so it's super subtle yet it's very upfront at the same time like it it i don't know it works so well with the scenes that you don't notice it and then when you notice it like you notice it but it's it's good the um did you notice um at the very end of the movie the final the climax scene when the train is idling mm-hmm. 
Uh-huh. The steam the steam engines just sitting there and it's just chugging away. Chug chug. Chug <laughs> chug. Like long. It's like this almost um like almost like a drum beat mm-hmm. while you're waiting for something to happen. Yeah. And it was a great like um audio um tool to use to like build this tension. It was really it was really great. And that was um that was the only um Oscar. It had a few nominations, best um best ensemble cast for the SAG Awards. Uh, two nominations for sound design and sound mixing, and it actually ended up. Um, actually, I don't think it, I don't think it won um, for the Oscars, but it had two nominations for sound design and sound yeah. mixing, which was obvious. It was very very well done. That's audio. another thing about westerns is that a lot of them have pretty good sound mixing. I don't know what it is about the westerns that make the sound mixing stand out. It, maybe maybe it's such a sparse storytelling. Um, genre it's like you just have the basics it's a guy and his horse out in the middle of the desert dealing with real life shit and you really just have the performance of the actors and some good sound design it's really kind of a sparse and this um, is why movie making. yeah this is why i love westerns though is be- and actually specifically modern westerns um because it only relies on the actual like artistry of the technicality of making movies because mm-hmm. when you look at the plot of 310 to Yuma there, there's not a whole lot there so you really have to focus on the actors it has to be technically yeah it has to be technically well done or else it's really obvious you can't hide it with a bunch of CGI and explosions yeah exactly know? and i i think that's that's why i really like this movie because of that because it made you feel like you were there instead of watching a movie, which, uh, which you would expect with Westerns because it's supposed to be a story that you're engaged in like with the characters rather than watching the characters. Yeah, it's not like you're watching uh, Australia with Hugh Jackman and uh, yeah. <laughs> Nicole Kimmon where it's like CGI Australia. It's CGI Australia. It's not, it's not, it's not a Michael Bay movie. Speaking of Michael Bay, I do want to point out a scene early on in the movie where the, <laughs> Byron, the bounty hunter, is uh, being chased by Ben Wade and his crew, and Byron happens to uh, notice some dynamite on a horse, mm-hmm. and he shoots the dynamite and explodes the horse. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I, I noted <laughs> that down, too. Or like, they blew up a GD horse. They blew up a horse. <laughs> they blew up a horse. Yeah, poor that, that poor horse. I yeah. think that was probably the best CGI of the whole movie. <laughs> <laughs> um, there was a moment in the movie. I can't remember exactly. It must have been after the uh, the uh, stagecoach first, raid. First stagecoach robbery. Where uh, the son is it? Will William? Is yeah, his William. Name, right? Mm-hmm. Um, he the, he uses the the phrase "Here comes the cavalry" unironically. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I thought about that too. I'm like, wow, that would be. <laughs> I've never heard that used, unironically. It was definitely made with a lot of like. I, I feel like there was a lot of um, respect for the what modern or the tr- classic traditional Western genre, mm-hmm. but done so much better. Yeah. Um, oh me, yeah. Me and Tyler were talking about it before you jumped on <laughs> Joseph, but the uh, he was telling me modern westerns are so much better and <laughs> you watch the whole <laughs> the whole original like 1957 uh, version yeah i watched the climax scene just to kind of get a feel for what it was and i thought well if this is any good i can rewatch it 
I, I got I got through six minutes of that seven minute scene. I was like, all right, I get the I get the gist of it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm all right. This pacing is uh, pretty draining <laughs> to yeah, watch this whole it's, thing. It's I don't know. I, have, I can't say I've watched many like old westerns other than maybe like the Clint Eastwood, Good, Bad, and Ugly. The yeah. Um, that's the only one. Dollars trilogy. Yeah, it's really the only ones that stand out to me. But and I probably won't revisit them. Um, I mean they're okay like they're good for their time but it's like when you're comparing it to the remake of 310 to Yuma like I mean come on it's not even in the same ballpark like I mean I know this is this will trigger a lot of uh, you know boomers and you know (laughs) older people but uh, (laughs) I'm sorry Christian Bale is one of the best actors alive ever yes him and him and Jamie Kennedy. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> You've been asked. So, so yeah, uh, speaking of, like, classic remakes, uh, when I was in junior high school, um, House on Haunted Hill came out in Ugh, junior high or, or high school. And I, I, really wanted to, I really wanted to watch it. I thought, this is going to be scary. And I went to a blockbuster video, and I rented it. Ugh. And I, I went up to the counter because I knew what I wanted when I when I arrived at Blockbuster Video, mm-hmm. and they they rented me the um, 1959 version with Vincent Price. <laughs> <laughs> oh shit! <laughs> I took it home and watched it. I'm like, the hell what is this? this? I was thinking it was like one of those you know where they do like a black and white intro and then it cuts to oh you yeah. know color and all this yeah you know, whatever. It was not that. <laughs> it was about 70 minutes long. It was terrible it was the worst <laughs> i'm not gonna well, the, the remake isn't any better no it's well i sorry i'm gonna say it is better <laughs> it's still not a good movie i would though. say ob- yeah objectively it's probably <laughs> better than the original but you don't like tay diggs still <laughs> what do you have against tay diggs <laughs> actually i got a lot of issues with tay diggs <laughs> <laughs> the penultimate action scene where he's uh, they're doing the rooftop chase through contention um, I that was probably a it was a really well written action scene. Yeah. Um, oh yeah. It oh, was yeah. so it it has it's almost it's like a roller coaster. I mean the cliche it's a roller coaster ride, but it's like the bad guy is working with a good guy, and then the good guy turns people bad of the good town people bad, and then the bad guy turns on the now bad people. Mm-hmm. The the shooting the town people. It's like Charlie Prince is now shooting the townspeople who he enlisted to to you know kill, um, you know Dan or any of his captors, and then Ben Wade stops working with the good guy. Like he could stop at any time. He's not going to be able to get pushed through town by a, you know one legged farmer or rancher. He, he he stops at some point, becomes dead weight, and he's like, "This is hey, let's give it up. What are you doing? You know, yeah. Your son's gone. Whatever." Then he turns good, and then he gets all energetic, and he starts pulling him through. He's like, "I'm gonna get you, I'm gonna get both of us to this train." And then at the very end, the bad guy, the the worst bad guy, turns on the other the other second worst bad guy. It's like it's it's back and forth. It's a really well written action scene. I, I just absolutely love that final chase scene. Well, uh, maybe it's a little bit off topic here, but uh, so when the uh, youngest son of Ben, Dan, when he, or Dan, <laughs> when he. Uh, when they show the scene of him giving medicine, mm-hmm. I would I just couldn't help but think that 
back in those times, medicine was like full of like heroin and cocaine and shit. <laughs> <laughs> Here, Sonny, drink up this heroin. <laughs> <laughs> he's got yeah, he's got a nasty H habit. <laughs> That's funny. Um, one thing that I thought was kind of weird, and I didn't really. I can't remember if it played out or not was mm-hmm. other than the fact that it was like kind of funny was when they take Byron McElroy to the doctor. Yeah. And then he's like, what kind of doctor are you? And then he's like, well, you're the first person patient that talks to me or whatever. Yeah. It's nice. Nice to have a patient that talks. Yeah. Speaking of which, how did Byron even freaking make it through that? They just pulled a stomach or they pull this bullet out, pull it out of his stomach, and you're just like, yeah, you're good to go. Yep. Just patch they it just up. Gave him some heroin, and he was all right. <laughs> uh, but that's true, though. Oh my what you, god. So, so you you wanted you wanted him to talk about the, the doctor being a vet more. So like, yeah, it's just like it, the point of that him being a vet doctor was just for that small little just joke. for cheap laughs. Yeah, because yeah. <laughs> it, it didn't come back, did it? Right? No, no, it didn't. Oh, they okay. just call him Doc the rest of the time, Doc Potter. Yeah. That was the best they got, Joseph. Did the best they got? <laughs> did they? Uh, hey, this is written in 1957. Come on, <laughs> <laughs> this is how it is. We got to do it like that. Did you guys? Um, do you guys? Whenever they, whenever they pull a bullet out of someone in a movie, do you just um, wait, wait for the metal tin to come out and the bullet to tink into it? Yes. Yeah. I actually, it's funny that you say that because that's exactly like, oh, what I was thinking. It's gonna clean. You know, the and they did tank. it so they did it so well in that scene too, because I think that people were expecting that. Uh because it was a little delayed instead of already having it out, like they like made it a point to show it coming out and then to show they, it. They always do. It has they has to. It's like a it's it's like an international law. You can't write a you can't write a scene with someone getting a bullet pulled out of them unless you tink it into a metal tin afterwards. Dude, you gotta hear that ting. You gotta hear that ting. <laughs> tink. Or else that's how we know the the scene's over. You're all better. Yep, exactly. <laughs> um, I, the 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 pacing was solid. Um, if it reminded me a little bit of the uh, Mad Max where there's a there's a lot of action scenes, boom, 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 scene after scene after scene of action, and then they'll take a probably good ten fifteen minute pause for a little exposition. A little bit of talk between the characters, get to know the characters a little bit better, but mm-hmm. really well written characters. Um, you almost feel bad for Ben Wade near the end. I mean, he's a total prick, murdering bastard. Yeah, you you kind of don't really learn up too much about his background. Not the end. Yeah, and even then, it's still not like all of the context. But it's I, I think it's just enough for you to because yeah. he's like he's he says to Will. I think when he's talking yeah. to his son, he's like, sometimes you don't choose the life that you want or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, like he just like series of events led up to him being an outlaw basically. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, now he's just in it. Now he's just wanted everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, I do like the line when he, when he's, he Byron talks shit about um, Ben Wade's mom. Mm-hmm. He says, you know, that's real rich coming from a grave digging drunk, the seed of a grave digging drunk and a whore mother. And he mm-hmm. jumps yeah. off the horse, beats the shit out of Byron, and says, yeah. even bad men love their mothers, and then yeets him off a cliff. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> just throws him off a cliff. And I was like, I guess he's gone. I guess Byron's dead. Yeah. yeah. I was like, how the, big was that cliff? The <laughs> dialogue between Russell Crowe and Christian Bale in multiple scenes of this movie were one of the, it was one of the best that i have ever seen they have a great and relationship a western 
in a western movie and mm-hmm. i got I, you know like they're working against act- each other but they're kind of working with each other at times yeah yeah it's it, conflicting forces that is sort of giving us this these great interactions and I really like the fact that Christian Bale's character, because you would start falling for the charisma of Ben Wade. He's so because charming. He's very, he's very smooth talking. Like he's very good with words. Mm-hmm. So you start like, you'd start falling into his charisma. And then I loved that Christian Bale would like interrupt that scene and be like, nope, he ruined families. Like how many families did he ruin? How many people did he kill? Yeah. Like it really, I loved that he kept the audience in, uh, like a realistic state. Because, the audience like, and also characters in the movie. He had to like reel his wife in. She was basically throwing herself at him at the dinner table. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, she was like getting enamored with him at that dinner scene. Yeah, that yeah. That, that scene was was pretty well blocked and and written. Um, yeah. just like the awkward tension, the clanking of the the plates and forks, and then mm-hmm. like, can you can you cut my meat for me or whatever. <laughs> oh, thank you, Dan. I'm much obliged. Like it's that. very like, like at, at, on one end, it's like it seems kind of uh, demeaning towards towards Dan because he's cutting mm-hmm. his meat for Ben Wade, but also like he's cutting meat for Ben Wade. Like Ben Wade can't eat a steak. Like yeah, um, that is interesting. I didn't think about it like that. Um, yeah, just like, like he's, putting he, him he's in his incapable place. of doing it. So yeah, he has to be the one to do it for him. So. Yeah. Um, there was a uh, interesting deleted scene that n- never made it to uh, to the final cut that uh, Ben Wade's talking to Byron, mm-hmm. and he says, hey, I heard your boss Al Pinkerton died after he bit his tongue. Is that true? And in real life, this was not this movie's not de- uh, based off of true events, but Al Pinkerton was the owner of the Pinkerton outfit, which basically was like hired guns to... Um, guard stagecoaches during delivery. Yeah. And he did die from an infection after he bit his own tongue in oh. July 18, 1884. Wow. Oh, my so, God. So How this... do you bite your tongue so hard that you need to <laughs> have an infection on that? Like, what was fe- he doing? Maybe, maybe he didn't brush his teeth. It was the teeth. cocaine. It was the cocaine. <laughs> the heroin and all the yeah. cocaine he was doing. Yeah. So it was. It probably set this movie in the, some sometime in the uh, late 1884 era. Any other thoughts on this? I mean, I... I I think it's Luke Wilson was in this movie. Yeah, <laughs> he was so good as a, he's always so great as a side character. Like I don't know what it is about that dude, but you know his every side character he's been in in any show that I like or any movie that I've seen him in, mm-hmm. he's always so great as a side character. He's a good. He's a good. Love character. Luke Wilson. <laughs> yeah. Um. So I have some things. Um. The first uh, shout out to the name of the movie, fifty minutes, <laughs> thirty seconds in. Woo! And not only do do they say it once, but four times they total. Say it four times, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, they say it again at fifty nine minutes and forty two seconds. Um, <laughs> not, oh, thank not, you. not ten minutes later. Not even ten <laughs> minutes later, they say it again. Um, and then they say it again at one hour, thirty minutes, twenty five seconds. I really I didn't appreciate though that he says that they they don't give it the respect that it's due. They say <laughs> they're gonna put him on a three ten to Yuma prison. Yeah. Did you have yeah. to say prison? It could mm. it could have been it could have that could have been a great moment for myself. The three ten to Yuma. Yeah. Um, a little trivia I found out about 
310 to Yuma is that when the clock strikes three in the movie, like 10 minutes until the train shows up, it's actual real time. Real time, 10 minutes. Real run run time. Yeah, that's real, real 10 minutes to the train coming through. It was, was, I thought that was kind of interesting. That's neat. 10 minute set. And then the, uh, the set of contention, the town where the train is departing from to uh, Yuma prison it's half built during the production, um, you know, kind of showing that it's an up and coming town. They're building it. It's a time of expansion in the Wild West. But in reality, they just ran out of budget and they couldn't finish the set. So you couldn't just... even really tell, though. No, like, it, that looked, set... it, it looked great. I mean, yeah, it th- that set looked as complete as could be. Like, I, I guess I could running see, through the like, scaffolding and the framing of some of the buildings. But um, the sh- the shots were really like you know they were really fast paced so like for you to even really notice that the set wasn't completed I don't know like it, that would it, be a stretch yeah well if, if you well there's there's a definitely a couple scenes where they're running through construction like it's a framed framed building that's just literally just two by fours framing a building but it, it makes total sense along the plot because uh, as soon as the train the railroad comes to town instant growth you have instant growth it's like. Um, yeah exactly it's gonna happen so kind of happy happy coincidence yeah it actually yeah definitely i actually agree it definitely works out because i kind of forgot like the railroad was becoming a huge thing and so there was a bunch of like really fast expansions you know it would actually make sense that it would look not completed it would just look like basically surface level complete Mm -hmm. you know what i mean so on the point of so Dan throughout the movie is kind of his character is like he wants to sort of redeem himself, gain the respect of his son and his family. And um, mm-hmm. there's a great line in the beginning of the movie right before they take off um, that Deanna actually pointed out to me um, that he says, I'm tired of the way my boys look at me and I'm tired of the way you don't. And I think mm-hmm. that just like gives us everything, like yep. his entire motivation for doing what he does to the rest of the movie, um, because he's because as we learn later, when uh, when Ben Wade and him are uh, sort of uh, fighting each other near the end of the movie before they get in the train, um, and as Ben Wade is almost like choking him out, Christian Bale admits. Or Dan admits, He's never a hero. Yeah, that he never saw a battle, and that he only lost his leg because his own one of his own men shot him in the leg. Well, it was even worse than that. Even worse than that, he got shot in the foot, and he blew his foot off. And er, er, early in the movie, with his wife, he's saying, "If only they wouldn't have taken so much of my leg." So he got he got his foot blown off. Yeah. And he took half of his leg. Yeah. Which is real shitty. Yeah. But, that that line that line is the first line I think of when I think of this movie and the emotion behind it. You know, I'm tired of watching my boys go hungry. I'm tired of, tired of the way they look at me. I'm tired of the way that you don't. Yeah, so he's definitely just doing he's doing it to prove himself, like not only to himself but to his his family. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, he dies doing it. I think it was really great that they killed off this character too because. Spoiler alert, in the original, the character doesn't die. This movie was like the final nail in the coffin that I knew that modern Western movies are better than original Western movies because modern Western movies are not afraid to go 
to the places that the original ones were. They wanted happy endings in the older ones, but this one's they're just like, yep, Dan dies a failure of a, you know, of his own ideal house like head role. Yeah, it's 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 totally like antithetical to what you would consider a happy ending for that era. I don't know if there really was a whole lot of besides I don't know. It, it's you really can't imagine this grim, bleak final um, button put on the end of the story in the fifties. Yeah, it's a it's a comment on masculinity, and then yeah. the feel the need to be remembered, a hero. I don't think Christian Bale. I, don't, I actually I should say I don't think anyone but Christian Bale could have played that role. Orig- originally, it was supposed to be Tom Cruise. Which woo mm. yeah okay um, they 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 would have had to find a place for a motorcycle chase scene in this movie if Tom Cruise was in it <laughs> he could have definitely done the running he would have broke his foot jumping on the rooftops though yeah um that the final scene for, sorry to cut you off Joseph but I just want to before I forget the uh, the final scene you 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 they reference his gun Russell Crowe's gun or Ben Wade's gun called the Hand of God uh, a couple of times and when when the um, Tucker, the goon, played by Kevin Durand, takes it from him when he's first apprehended. He says, careful with that, that gun's cursed. If you notice, the posse's been carrying that gun around this entire time, and when they give it back to Ben Wade, it they toss it to every single member of the posse. They toss it like a ball, in a um, warm-up ball in a oh, beginning, yeah. of a, beginning yeah. of a baseball. They toss it from person to person all the way across. It gets to Charlie Prince, and they give it to Ben Wade, and then he murders all of them with that gun. Every one of them <laughs> touched the gun. It's cursed. Yeah. And then they get all murdered at the hand of the god. Oh, yeah, and also, that's true. Ben Wade murders Kevin Durand in his sleep, like stabbing him oh, in god. the throat over and over again. Oh, that was screwed. That sound, that sound in that scene is gruesome. Yeah. <laughs> that was a good scene, though. That was a really good scene because it really showed, like, how dangerous this dude was. Like, because everyone was falling in love with his words and mm-hmm. his charisma. And then all of a sudden, it's a hard cut of him stabbing Kevin Durant in the throat forking multiple times him. Yeah, with a forking fork. him in the neck. Yeah. <laughs> Just like. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. By- Byron's the only one who really knows the. The true, true capabilities and nature of yeah Ben Wade, um, dude. So. Fuck Byron though. Like I was with Ben Wade on him when he was talking about like how his atrocities towards the Apache people. Yeah. I was just like, yeah, fuck Byron, dude. He killed all of them, not just the men, the women, and children. Wade, too. I wrote. Wade <laughs> is a is a realist in this movie. Mm-hmm. Like he just states shit as it is, um, but he's also a criminal at the same time. But he's just like. He's logical, realistic, and sort of om- almost the voice of reason. Um, he's lo- he's like chaotic neutral. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, I definitely think that this, if there was a different cast, I don't think this movie would be as strong as it is. Oh, no. Hey, no, hey, like the caliber of those actors that were playing in this movie, like... That it. That's why I love about these modern westerns, though. It hinges on the technicality of everyone, and when it comes together, it is really good. Mm-hmm. Can you imagine if Keanu Reeves played um, the Dan <laughs> Dan Evans character? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, like he could, he could, he no. could pull it off. <laughs> Him and Dan, yeah, it'd be like, I'm tired of standing on one leg waiting for God to answer my prayers. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Um, 
Well, anyway, uh, let's. I guess let's wrap it up. We're about we're about an hour or so into this thing, and um, I will say though that um, uh, Tom Hooper, the director of uh, Les Mis, uh, I bet he saw this movie and saw Russell Crowe singing and was like, "Wow, he's he's <laughs> he's Javert. He's the one. He's the one. Javert." <laughs> Speaking of which, since we are already an hour into this movie, after an hour of watching this movie, it felt like it could have ended satisfyingly, to be honest with you. Like, after they reach contention, you're like, oh, if it ended right there, I would have been happy. I would have been like, oh, yeah. Yep, it'd be, they, it'd they, be an almost awesome movie. Yeah. It, they, would be, it would be the ending that the 1957 version got. Exactly. Exactly. So, ratings? I got I'm I, this for me this is a solid like four and a half stars, out of great 10. movie can't yeah yeah out of ten <laughs> <laughs> out of twenty five. <laughs> I'm giving it I'm giving it um, five Charlie Princes out of five. Okay. <laughs> five five white leather double breasted jackets out of five. You would you put this in your top ten favorite movies? No, not top ten, but it's it's oh. pretty high up there. T- Charlie Prince is in my top ten characters of all time. Top twenty, and, then. Um, I'd say somewhere in that range. I'd say probably top twenty-five. It's it's wow. uh, for the genre. It's my pick. I know Joseph likes um, the proposition probably more than this. I, I don't know if after watching this, if you still do or not. But the, this this movie was the proposition is like an artsy version of mm-hmm. this movie and more violent version i think and it's also australian um it's it's a nick cave movie much like assassination of jesse james oh um, yeah oh yeah plotting it reminded me the proposition reminded me of a cross between like this and like book of eli with a little more art house book booked into it yeah the pacing of book of eli yeah and the downtrodden post-apocalyptic i mean feel of it. if you like this movie you should watch the proposition it's a little tougher watch i think um definitely there are some scenes in there that are pretty brutal um there's yeah there's some there's some there's some tough stuff in that one yeah. <laughs> but it's good i liked it a lot great sound did, did design, you see great have you seen the rover no i have not another yeah, australian uh post-apocalyptic sort of movie with guy pierce <laughs> yeah guy pierce and robert pattinson yeah first wow. movie i saw with him in it where i was like dude this dude can act this dude's good yeah so, so that's a uh, good recommendation if you if you get a chance to watch the rover. Couldn't tell you where it's streaming right now, but it's that's fantastic as well. Yeah. Um, so ratings one out of five. Yeah. What do you, what do you guys want to do? We're we're episode four in. We'll peek behind the curtain. We, we did out of ten. Last I think week. one. I don't know. I like one out of five. I like one out of five. I'm down with that. So I'm gonna rate this movie a four out of five, for sure. It, well, actually, you know what? I'm going to even go a little bit further. I'm going to put it at 4.5 <laughs> because I was so much into this movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was so, so 9 out of 10? I was so into it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, like it, like real, the halfway pe- point between a perfect score and, you know, not a perfect score. It was really. <laughs> so 5? So <laughs> 5 out four, of 10. 4.5. 4.5. 4.5. 4.5. 4.5. Four point five out of five. I mirror that. Four point five out of five for me too. Four and a half stars. But I will agree with you, Pete. Though uh, I would say it's in a top twenty list instead of a top ten. Mm-hmm. Joseph, what do you say? What do you say? What's your rating? Um, I will give this movie a a four point two. 
<laughs> a non-integer. Another non-integer. I respect that. I respect yeah. that. I'm, we're doing the IMDb rating system. <laughs> um, yeah, that's what, that's what I give it. 4.2. Nice. Well, I'm glad you guys liked it. It's... Uh, it's obviously it's on the wheel, but it's a great, yeah, it's one of my, one of my favorites to recommend to people. Yeah. Especially if you, if you're into any sort of classic American, uh, cinema. All right. So a little payoff from last week, we talked about Fubo, this Fubo. unknown streaming service, which has the audacity to charge people $85 a month for, for some <laughs> premium bullshit. When the fine, the fine, fine people at Pluto TV exist for free. So I decided to take uh, take the liberty to write Fubo an email and ask for some sponsorship, some um, shameless uh, on my knees begging, and mm-hmm. um, I'll read that letter to you now. This is addressed to the advertising department at Fubo TV. Dear sir or madam, my name is Pete from Middle Class Film <laughs> Class, an up and coming powerhouse of a podcast with a listening audience well into the double digits. <laughs> you don't know me and I don't know you, but we have a lot in common. For starters, no one's ever heard of Middle Class Film Class or Fubo for that matter. I'd like to change that. <laughs> Imagine being able to reach your core demographic of struggling millennials who are reluctant to pay for frankly anything and doing it for practically nothing. Our podcast is made of two young film buffs and one aging miser with questionable film taste. That's me. <laughs> we do deep dive reviews into a single movie each week and find that Fubo happens to have a lot of them that we want to discuss. If you'd be able to kick us down some Fubo subscriptions, we could guarantee airplay for your fine website service. I don't know what you call yourself anyway. Let me know. We'd love to talk about Fubo. We're rooting for you. <laughs> Solid email. Yes. It's uh, so far six days, almost seven days now. Not one response, so not holding a lot of hope out but mm. i plan on finding some other streaming services to uh <laughs> pluto, to reach out to pluto tv Fubo. yeah you know i don't know how that works if they're already doing it for free do they need the advertising well i'll send them a, i'll send them a letter i'll send them an email we'll see see what happens all right guys you guys ready to move on to the wheel of destiny yes the wheel come on george of the jungle <laughs> All right, so I don't even remember now, the picks. I'll do I'll do a quick recap. Peter can't hear you. There you are. Can you hear me now? Yep. Okay. My screen completely took a shit on me and fell. Hold on. <laughs> well, good thing it's over. This now. is staying in. <laughs> <laughs> All right, hold on. That's what I get for buying a $12 screen on Amazon. It's a universal fit, quote-unquote. <laughs> I'm going to weld this fucking pivot point together so it doesn't do this again. <laughs> God damn it. I literally just broke this thing in half. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> All right. Good thing I got some Gorilla Glue in the garage. <laughs> Holy sh- Jesus Christ. Spin the wheel of destiny. All right, going back live. <clears throat> All right, now and we're back. Yeah, and we're back onto the wheel of destiny. So I'm taking three ten to Yuma off my pick. It is erased, gone. So we got Escape from New York for Tyler, Mad Max Fury Road for Tyler, George of the Jungle for Tyler, and, mm. <laughs> and Joseph's picks are The Machinist, From Beyond, oh, yeah, that's right. and Double Down with Neil Breen. That's the wild card, though. 
Yeah, it's a wild card. You escape from New York and double down to the wild cards. If we land on one of those, huh? What are you replacing uh, with your pick, Pete? Oh yeah, I have I have Stoker on there still, mm-hmm. and you know I haven't even thought of what movie to put on there. I was giving I was giving Joseph a bunch of shit last week about it. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh God, um, let's go with Moon. Sam Rockwell. Uh, yes, moon. I love that movie. I have it. I too. have seen this movie. Nothing new for the three of us. I think we've all visited Moon before, but. Another, another one that's kind of in my back pocket, throw out to people for recommendations if they're asking for an interesting movie. Yeah, very um, easy to digest, entertaining. So I, I don't know, about, <laughs> how do you guys feel about this? If we, if we land on one of the wild cards, when, the one we replace should be either picked by the audience or picked by our uh, girlfriends. <laughs> oh, oh God. Uh, is there an audience to pick? No, there's not. We don't have an audience. <laughs> the first person, to, the first person to comment on our on our episode uh, post with a movie pick can go on to the, uh, <laughs> on the wheel of destiny once we land. They get a call in. <laughs> yeah, call. In. Oh, speaking of which, we are working on the technology to take calls on air. <laughs> yes, yes, we are. We have the technology. So, yeah, we have the technology. We just gotta we gotta get it in line, and you know, if, if it works out. We may be taking uh, a call on air for maybe a streaming pick, like a single streaming pick of the week from one of our uh, friends or listeners. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. So. <laughs> All right, so I'm going to added Moon. You guys ready Ooh. for the you guys ready for the spin? Yep. Yes, yes, yes. All right. Oh, my God. <laughs> what is it going to be? Oh my god, it's Moon. <laughs> oh my god, yes. First one on, first one off. Wow. All right. Okay. I promise it's not rigged. <laughs> I don't know. We can't see the wheel. <laughs> it's true. We're going to put a, web, a live webcam on this next time. <laughs> wheel cam. Wheel, wheel, wheel cam. cam. All right. Well, I guess I'll. I'll Oh, I guess I'll be at the captain's chair next week too for, for Moon. <laughs> you know what? It's All really right. sad too because you guys you guys have three picks each, and I have two picks on the wheel because you guys both have the wild card picks. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, gods are favoring me today. <laughs> hey, uh, I I am very stoked to watch Moon. I cool. love that movie. Yeah. All right. So next week we'll be doing a deep dive into Moon, 2009, starring Sam Rockwell, directed by Duncan Jones. Um, not streaming anywhere for free, so you'll have to pay three bucks for it on Amazon, Vudu, PlayStation Store, Redbox, or four dollars to watch it on YouTube for four uh, in 4K though. Should be nice. Uh, we will be spoiling that movie, so if you want to get the full experience and you don't want any spoilers for this movie, um, watch it ahead of time, and we'll be talking about it next week. I also want to remind everybody to follow us on Facebook, Middle Class Film Class Podcast on Facebook. And send us an email if you have a suggestion, idea for the show, um, suggestion for the Wheel of Destiny once we exhaust our wildcard picks. Um, that is mcfcpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, we check it regularly, so if you send us an email, there's a good chance you're going to read it on air. Um, all right, well, until next week, um, thanks for listening, and we'll catch you all next time for Moon. All right, later. See you later, guys. <laughs> <laughs>